Hope you are all uh, here, not just in body, but in spirit. It is uh, good to see you. If you remember anything from last Sunday, sometimes, you know, preachers have this vision that people will remember what they say. Uh, I don't know where that comes from, but it's kind of a part of the vision of, of pastoring, I think. Uh, well, last Sunday, we talked from John 3rd chapter, and if you have your Bibles, you can open to John. We're going to be there again today from the 13th chapter. And we, we call the message Life-Changing Encounters, and we focused on Nicodemus' meeting with Jesus and how that absolutely and utterly transformed the very way he was thinking about reality, the way he put things together, uh, and all of that. And we, we got into that in detail. If you didn't have time to be here uh, last Sunday for some reason or another, I encourage you to find that either on YouTube or on our website or some other place where, where we play these things. Today, we're kind of moving uh, a next step, almost like an illustration of what it was that Jesus was talking about when he said, you need to be born from above. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they become that. Uh, and so uh, here it is. And I could have probably entitled this life-changing thinking, but I decided to instead uh, just kind of spell it out, if you will, and said, change thinking leads to change values. Put opposite, it would say, change values require a change way of thinking. So let, let's read uh, these riveting verses, beginning in chapter 13 and in verse 3 uh, of, of this. A story that many of you will know well, uh, and a story that unpacks so many things uh, in the way we, we understand what it means to be a Christian. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, and he had come from God, and that he was going back to God. So he got up from the supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel, and tied it around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm doing, you don't realize now, but afterward, you'll understand. You will never wash my feet, Peter said. Jesus replied, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. One who has been washed, obeyed, Jesus told him, doesn't need to wash anything except his feet. But he's completely clean. You're all clean. But not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. This is why he said, not all of you are clean. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing and he reclined again and said to them, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are speaking rightly since that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. 
For I have given you an example that you also should do as I have done for you. I have given you an example that you may also do what I have done for you. You know what Jesus' days or his time, it was, it was customary that, that, uh, that a good host will have a servant or two kind of wash people's feet as they came to the house. Uh, they either because their feet were dusty and their sandals are just flat out muddy. And, and so that was just anticipated. And then if, if you are in a household that didn't quite have the financial means to have servants, uh, then, you know, someone in the party will show up early to honor the host that he would not have to do this himself. And so they would wash the feet of the other guests for them. So now the question that begs this whole thing is, how in the world come that the disciples, none of them thought, oh, I ought to do this? How is that even possible that that thought didn't come to mind. Okay, I hope I can bring you into this story. And you're not just hearing words. But, you know, imagine yourself. You're in a room now that is filled with, with uh, followers of Jesus. A lot of people right there. With proud minds and dirty feet. Jesus followers coming together who are willing to fight and even stand in line to kind of postulate that they are the ones who are needing the the trophies, but they have no interest in the towel. Just think about this for just a moment. Greatness is good. Greatness is always good. The difficulty we face and the way we think is that we think differently about what greatness is. There's no place that Jesus suggests that greatness is is not good. And so that is really what speaks to us today. I gave you an example, says Jesus, that you may do what I have done for you. He's a role model. That makes me think. What is our role modeling? What is the example that I set for my children, for my friends, for my workmates, for for my kind of environment of the people I'm around? May may it be that, that I may say to them also, I've given you an example you should do what I have done for you. You know, it's, it's a difficult thing. And I'm just going to say it flat out. The most difficult thing about being a Christian is learning to think differently. We're just immersed in the way we have always thought and the way Christians always thought. But I'll get back to that a little bit. But just see the, the kind of a play up to this, if you will. Mark chapter 10 spells that out. It says right before the triumphal entry. 
And you got two prominent disciples, the sons of the Zebedees, John and John and James. And they come to Jesus, <laughs> just saying, give us the best seat in the kingdom. On the right and the left side of the throne. And Jesus is gracious enough to not just wipe them off, but to speak to them kindly. It's just difficult to learn to think differently. Or should I say Christianly. You know, think about it for a moment. I'm going to set the stage and then we're going to get back to what I just mentioned right here, right? This happens three years after they got to know Jesus. They walk with him day and night for three years. They have they've seen what he did. They have heard him speak about humility. They have heard him speak about servanthood and seen how they've done it. They have seen him engage even sometimes in a confrontational way with the Pharisees, right? When, when all they were doing was a pure empty charade designed to do nothing other than trying to show others that they were godly. They'd seen all this. And then they come and ask about greatness. Who is the greatest in the kingdom? How in the world is that possible? How can that even happen? And I tell you why that happens is because we're flat surrounded as they were. Immersed in this common, normal way of thinking that it is greater to be served than to serve. We just think that way. And I want to ask you to check yourself on that. I don't want you to give the Sunday school answer. We all know what the right answer is, right? So, so just don't do that. Just be honest with yourself. It's just you and yourself and God, right? Just be honest. What do you think is greatest? Deep is down. Underneath the veneer, just in your gut. Is it greater to serve or greater to be served? What would you rather receive? A trophy or a towel? It's the real questions. Learning to think differently is just hard. And that's why one of the most, you know, kind of a high-level piece of Scripture that you find in the New Testament is Paul that talks about, say, you must be renewed in your mind, transformed. And the word here is, is pretty strong. It speaks about... The brain, the way of thinking, and that word you must be is actually a plural. So you all must be talking to the church. So as a group, but also as individuals, you all must be transformed. The word here is metamorphosis, made into something else in your thinking. Why? Well, because that's the only way you can know, Paul says, the will of God. And it's hard. 
So the question again, is what I said earlier, is never about greatness. It's always good to be great. The question is, what defines greatness? When the sons of Zebedees came and just without shame, they asked for the best seats left and right side of the throne in, in the kingdom. Jesus lovingly responds and he says, you know how they think about this around you in the cultures around, right? The masters of the world, he says. But it should, listen to this, I'm quoting, that should not be how it is with you. Pretty strong language. In fact, see, Jesus says right there, the one who wants to be great among you should be a servant. So again, and don't think that I'm not speaking to myself as much as I am to you, but I am speaking to you too, friends, like I am to myself. What is most important in your life? What other people think? Well, what God thinks. It's a real question. It's not really a rhetorical question at all. And, you know, it comes up in Scripture as well. If, if you go just to the other side of your, if you have your Bibles, you will see right there, chapter 12, verse 42, just a couple of verses up, actually. Uh, I'm looking in my Bible just in the other side of that same open Bible. It's talking about Jesus has preached in, in Jerusalem. And then it says here, verse 42 of chapter 12, said, Many believed him, even among the rulers. But because of the Pharisees, they didn't confess him so that they would not be banned from the synagogue. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. What is most important, what other people think? Or what God thinks is greatness. The human mindset is so different from God. And, and we know that. It is not a surprise. That's why it's such a challenge to hear the call of Jesus on our lives and begin to call him Lord and Master. Because what we do, we create these ways of thinking and, and they become fortifications, so to speak. They become these firm habits. That's how we think about reality is what it is. And it's just hard to break that, right? It's easier, we think, if you are considered great in the eyes of other people. So a renewal of our mind is called for to be great in the eyes of God, so to speak. And so that's where this text hits us with full full force how do we begin to see these things break down you know don't think that, that we are the first to be like this this was always kind of like the, the, the call and the challenge of, of Christian faith to be faithful rather than faithless you know Paul is confronting the church in, in Corinth in 2 Corinthians uh, and what he's saying there is, is simply this, right? You think, and let me just read it so I get it straight from the text. At chapter 10, verse, verse uh, 12, he said, But they measure themselves by themselves and comparing themselves to themselves, and therefore they lack understanding. 
That's a response to them just describing Paul. They say, well, his letters are weighty. But, you know, when we see him in person, he doesn't look all that great. He doesn't have that much of a strong persona. In fact, we know people that speak better than him. The way better rhetorical kind of presentations of their subject matter than he does. So they looked at things like they always looked at things. Like becoming followers of Jesus had made no actual change in the way they process reality and, and, and what they value as most important. I think I mentioned this before, but it always strikes me, and I, I have to admit I do it sometimes as well, and it's just who we are, but it needs to change. So people ask about our kids, how are your kids doing? Oh, you know, um, my daughter's so great, she was just promoted, she's now the head of this great company and doing this. Well, my son is, is, is just doing so well, and he just became leader of this and that. Why are we not saying, my daughter is meeting with 20 other CEOs of 4,500 companies as she's meet, meeting with them on Zoom. She's trying to help them understand how you run a company from different value systems. That she's trying to show them what Christianity really, how that makes a difference in their lives. Why are we not doing that? Why are we not saying, hey, my son is, is so engaged. First thing, how are you doing in your family? We're doing great. My son is leading three Bible studies. He is engaged. Last week he led two to Christ. Whatever. We don't think that way because we're trained by the world and not by the kingdom in our thinking. Are we seeing that when our thinking changes, our values will change. So you wonder why all this talk about mindset and thinking. Well, that's because that's where it begins. It always did. The way we think is the way we act. And the way we act express our values. But it goes on from that. So much to be said for that, but it goes on with that. And it talks also about how Jesus is an example and a challenge to our understanding of ourselves. So much more to this than we normally think about. It would have been more than obvious if the disciples, had they been one-on-one with Jesus, would have washed his feet. After all, he was the master, there's no doubt about that. It even spells that out. And they were his followers, his disciples. They were the ones who were supposed to wash his feet. And they would do that. But now they're together. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what I'm saying, right? Yes? Ain't no way I'm going to wash Peter's feet. Who does he think he is? What about Judas? No way. He carries the money. Why would I ever wash his feet? He's not going to think he's more than I am. Individually, maybe, on our own. But it can be tough. And I want to say this. It is very great and positive and good to think positively about oneself. We should do that. It's healthy. It's good in every way. The question is just, what does it mean to have a positive 
self-understanding. What is it that gives true value to human life, to Christian life? It's hard to figure out, isn't it? You know, we see someone being promoted, even in, in, in our circles, if you will. But someone who does self-promotion, which is kind of the thing nowadays with social media. But just any kind of promotion. Oh, this is a fantastic speaker. He has international renown. He is kind of an expert in his subject. People come to listen to him like in droves. Uh, He's written like a hundred books. You know, you go on and on and on. There's nothing there about how many feet they washed. How many towels they worn out. The contrast to Jesus is almost incredible. The one who says, come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and then you'll find peace for your souls. That's the positive self-understanding that Jesus uses for us as an example. Paul falls right on the heels of that. We, we spoke about that not too many Sundays ago when, when he was faced with all kinds of dangers. Three times I've been beaten. One time I've been stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Night and day, I was in the open sea and on and on, a long list of things that he went through. And then he ends this by saying, the only thing I can brag about is my weakness. That doesn't work well in a resume, does it? And yet, that is a self-understanding that changed the world. I don't know of a single person in world history outside of our Lord Jesus who had had more impact in how the world thinks and even in world history than this man called Paul. So Jesus' example, let me round up with this. Jesus' example is a challenge not only to to our self-understanding and to our way of thinking, but also to our way of serving. Jesus was our role model, if you will. He put on a towel, it says, and he pulled water in a bowl. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet. And when he was done, he said, I've shown you an example. Go do what I've done for you. He didn't say, make this a point of conversation. You all should gather and kind of try to memorize some of that so you can talk to other people about it, what I've done. Don't forget it. No, he said, do what I have done for you. I don't know if I can illustrate that. That's that's kind of hard, but I made up a thing. So imagine you own a 
you know, multinational company, massive place everywhere on the globe. And you hear your division in, in Asia is, is really going through some hard time and it's not enough, you know, for the leadership they have. You have to go. And so you know it can probably take three or four months. You're, you're not quite sure. So you, uh, before you leave, you make a very kind of elaborate manual for what you want to make sure happens in the organization and in the headquarters where you're located. And you leave that with them and you go away and you say, I'm, I, I don't know that I'll be able to contact. Just follow the manual and do what it says. And he comes back, and it's been a little longer than he anticipated. Almost a half year has passed by. And he comes in, and right as he pulls up, he's kind of aghast. You know, the grass hadn't been mowed in all this time. It looked like, like some bomb had gone off in the front yard. And he comes in, and it's no better. It is just everything is messed up. It's dirty everywhere. People sitting around just talking and shooting the breeze and not doing anything. And he couldn't find anyone who worked. So he storms into his office where in the conference room where his, his leadership group are gathered. And he said, what in the world is going on here? And they say, oh, we read your manual. I mean, it was so well written. It brought some of us to tears when we were reading this. I mean, some of us got together in little groups and we were memorizing uh, what you had done. We were learning it all. You know, some of us loved it so much. We had, we had the whole manual kind of leather bound. We printed it out on special paper, made it look good. And he said, okay, so you know what was in there. What did you do about it? And they said, do about it. We loved it. It was great. We adore what is there. I don't know that I need an explanation. I think that speaks. I think we know that situation. I sometimes wake up and I wonder, what is God speaking to me about? What is he telling me I need to be doing? What is... uh, thing that he's reminding me of when I open this book and I read this book, I read this book, is, is there things there that I sense in my life that, that is just doesn't jive with the conflicts with, with what he's telling me? Do to others what I have done for you. So I just need to ask you as to conclude this. What has this example done to your thinking? This is a time when you can take some notes in the worship guide. How, how has this challenged your self-understanding of who you think you yourself are and what is really a positive self-understanding. How have you let this shape your service? You know, in the kingdom of God, towels always trumps trophies. That's how it works. It's upside down. 
from what everybody else teaches. That's the challenge, friends, of calling Jesus Lord. Let me ask you to stand. Lord, I ask that you will formulate a prayer in everyone's heart. Here, those who are watching, those who might just be listening. We ask you to speak, Lord. Each of us need to hear from you. With all the different gifts, with all the strength, with all the abilities, with all the cares, that you're given to each of us. Talk to us, each of us, what it means when you say, I've given you an example. Now go do to others what I've done to you. Lord, we know you speak differently to Pete, Paul, Joe. Jerry, whomever, all of us. Because you gifted us differently. Some with extraordinary relationship gifts. Some with extraordinary leadership gifts. Some with extraordinary gifts in hospitality. Some with gifts of health. Helping others to become who they're supposed to be, but also just flat helping. You gifted each of us, given each of us a personality that you desired to use in your kingdom. So speak to us. How should I do to others what you have done to me as an example? Amen and amen. Friends, I trust the Lord has spoken to you. Some of you may want to grab someone's hand. Just pray with me. Some of you may want to ask for prayer as you get to your Bible study group in a little bit. Some of you may need to come here and just say, hey, come pray with me. I just need prayer. If you don't know what it means to walk with Christ so you can say, I know his example in my life. We're here for that too. May God call you and speak to you even this moment.